Well, this morning we're going to be back in our uh, series of encounters, and we're going to be in John chapter number four. John chapter number four. And many of us are familiar with this encounter that Jesus has with the woman at the well. If you've been in church, Sunday school at any time, I'm sure you've heard about this, about the woman that comes and draws water, and Jesus tells her about giving her living water. But the amazing thing about it is uh, what Christ does with this encounter and just how the Lord um, is at work uh, through all of it. You know, so far we've, we've looked at these different encounters. Uh, we've looked at uh, the encounter that, uh, encountering Christ in the storm. Uh, we've even looked at uh, encountering Christ through a roof. Um, and we've also looked at encountering Christ among the tombs. And uh, today we're going to look at this one about encountering Christ at the well. And just what the Lord does in this uh, lady's life. Um, so if you're ready to jump into this passage, say jump. All right, here we go. John chapter number four, uh, beginning verse number one. The Bible says here, it says, Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. We continue reading here in verse uh, number nine. It says, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Verse 15 says, The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. 
Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. Verse 22, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ, when he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And just then his disciples came back and they marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. You know, what's interesting about all of these encounters that we've looked at so far is they always involve an individual. And in this case, it's the same thing. There's an individual, a lady that comes to the well, Jesus being wearied of his journey. We know of his humanity, that he thirsted, that he got tired. And as he was on his public ministry, going from Judea to Galilee, he passed through Samaria. And as he passes through there, he's tired. And he sets down at a well, probably about one o'clock in the afternoon. And as he's there, a lady comes from Samaria and she's getting some water. The significance here of Jacob's well is that it provided an opportunity for Jesus to present himself as Christ, to present himself as the Messiah. The Lord just happened to use that well in that pathway as an encounter for this lady. And you'll see that this well that was given to provide water for the whole town, the whole village, Jesus, this encounter that he has with her, um, it tells us here in these last part of these few verses that everybody from that town came out to Christ, to hear of Christ, to see what this living water was all about. So no doubt we see this Samaritan woman in need of this encounter. She needs to the Lord. She needs to have her life fixed. And Jesus knew that she would be coming to draw water in the latter part of the day. But what's interesting is this Samaritan woman had no clue of what was going to happen. This was a natural process in her life. As she's walking, she gets to the well, and it's just like any other day that she's always happened to be there. She's going to draw the water. She's going to take it home. But this time it was different because she encounters Christ who is sitting there and he asks her a question and says, give me some water, give me something to drink. I'm thirsty, I'm tired, I'm weary and I need something to drink. You see, it's very evident that the way that she talks to Christ and the questions she asks, that she did not know that she needed an encounter with the Lord. And see, when we look at this encounter, we see the surface details about her and, and her need of Christ and the living water. But if we dig a little bit deeper, 
we'll see that this encounter is not just primarily about her. This is an encounter that we too need to have with the Lord as he comes to us and says, I want to give you living water. We see that it is us who need a drink from Christ. We see that it is us who need the encounter with him. We see that it is us who need to tap into his well of living water. And hopefully as we unwrap this passage, I hope that you can put, your pla- put yourself in the place just like this lady did and see the encounter that you need with the Lord as well. So I want to show you a few things here about this encounter that Christ has at the well. First of all, how well do you know Christ? How well do you know Christ? In John chapter 4, verse 13 through 19, it says, A woman from Samaria came to draw water. And notice, notice here, it says, Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? Because the Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink. You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. And the water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So how well do you know Christ? You see, the deepness of the well is pretty much based upon how much we know Christ. In other words, the well that was represented there in Samaria as Jesus goes there to, as he's wearied and he's asking for a drink, is a deep well. But he proposes a different type of water to this woman and says, listen, I will be willing to give you living water if you would just simply ask. And to us as believers in Christ, if you know Christ as your Savior, there came a time in our life when we trusted Christ and we received Christ as our Savior. Jesus changed our life. And we have that living water in us. But how deep does that well go in your Christian life? How well do you know Christ? How well do you know that you can dig deeper into your relationship with the Lord? Or is it just surface? Is it just something that's just kind of there? You see, the Lord is trying to get us to see something about this, about the deepness of our relationship with him and how, how far we can dig and how far we can, we can dunk that, that, that jar into that well and draw it up in our relationship with him continue and we can have that relationship with him. 
You see, when we look at this passage, a few questions arise out of the text as Jesus has this conversation with the Samaritan woman. Notice these questions of what, what she says. It gives us this backdrop for this. Jesus, give me a drink, Samaritan woman. Why are you talking to me, asking for a drink for me being a woman? Here are the responses. Jesus, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew who it is of speaking to you, you would have asked for me a drink the Samaritan woman, you have nothing to get a drink with. Where do you get this living water? And then the conversation changes gear because no longer is Jesus talking about that physical well. He's now talking about a spiritual thing that he wants to do in her life. However, the Samaritan woman does not catch on to these spiritual things because look what she asks. And she asks this all important question. She says, are you greater than who? Our father Jacob, who gave us this well. We've been using this for centuries. We've been using this all of our lives. It's a very deep well. We continue to draw water from it continually. Are you greater than our father Jacob? Well, the resounding answer is yes, Jesus is greater than the father Jacob there because he is trying to offer her living water. So how well do you know Christ? You see, the living water that Jesus provides his children, the living water that he gives us, it satisfies us in a spiritual wasteland. When everything else is dried up and parched, Jesus' living water satisfies us. So how well do we know Christ? So the deepness of the well is based upon how much we know him. Look at verse number 10. If you knew who it was. Many times we fail to see and to hear who Christ is. Sure, we know Christ. We come to church. We have fellowship with other believers. But our well is not deep enough because we don't know him that well. Yes, there was a time of spiritual conversion in our heart when we receive the Lord, but it's been stunted and we don't know the Lord like we should. And so we don't understand the deepness of how deep that well goes. You see, our relationship with Christ is determined on how well we know him. Christ reveals himself through the pages of scripture. And when we come to know him, our well deepens. And we're able to draw from that, that living water more often in our life. Look at verse number 11. Where do you get that living water? This lady asks. Many times we fail to ask, where do you get that living water? You see, by knowing Christ, we have asked for living water. But many people fail to ask for the living water, but not that we have living water is all that there is. Our life is not just about that living water. Our life should be consumed about knowing Christ in a greater way. Many times you talk to people and their salvation is just based upon, yeah, there came a time in my life when I received Christ and that's all there is. What if I were to talk to you, like if we were to have a conversation in life and you say, hey, uh, how are you? Like we just met and I was just talking with you. And all I kept bringing up was about the day that I was born. 
And you say, so do you have any kids? Uh, April 18th, 1983. So where do you live? April 18th, 1983. And sometimes I think in our relationship with Christ, we never move from the, the, mo the, the moment of salvation and we never grow in our relationship with the Lord. We should continue to grow. And so we fail to ask the Lord to continue to help us grow in him. Where do you get that living water? We draw from that spring, not in our own power, but it is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at verses 13 and 14. So many times we fail to enjoy. We as believers in Christ often fail to enjoy this living water. Why? Because we are too preoccupied with drinking from other wells besides Christ. She says, we've been coming to this well for centuries. Are you greater than our, than our father Jacob? It's been providing uh, life, uh, water for our livestock. It's been providing water for our children. And many times in our own life, we fail to enjoy the living water that Christ gives us because we are too preoccupied with enjoying water from other wells. You see, there are two phrases in this passage that help us understand knowing Christ better. Look at verse number 11. The well is deep because it was deep. Because this well was so deep, this woman says, she sees Christ standing there and she says, you don't have a vessel to put down in there. It's deep. I mean, we're not talking to just a couple feet, hundreds of feet deep. You need something to go all the way down and bring the water all the way back up. You don't have anything. This well is deep. And it was a slow process to drop that thing down, that bucket down in there, all the way down, then draw it back up. It was deep. But look in contrast to this. Look at verse number 14. Jesus says, this water that I am willing to give to you, it is welling up to eternal life. You see, the living water that Jesus gives us is not a well. It's not, it's not something that is so deep that we have to drop a bucket all the way down and, and, and try to bring it back up. Jesus says that it's welling up. In other words, that, that well of water is just gushing, coming out. It's there. It's, it's there. It's, it's, it's coming up, coming up. It's an overflow of that. And Jesus says, if we are going to know him better, then we're going to have to have this relationship with him. And this living water that he gives us is welling up inside of us. When I started reading this, the very first thing that came into my mind then was this. If Jesus says that eternal, is, if this living water that he gives us is welling up, why is that not true in my life? I mean, if Jesus says that it's just an overflow and an abundance, why is that not true in my life? Well, I think the Lord answers that for us. Look here, secondly, are you thirsty? Thirsty or satisfied is, is basically the question then. 
You see, this is the question that Jesus proposes to the woman and to us. Look what he says in verse 13. He says, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up, overflowing, gushing out to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that, notice this, so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband for you have had five husbands and the one you now have is not your husband. So you have said what you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Can I ask you a a very simple question? Are you satisfied in Jesus? Are you satisfied in Jesus? Is Jesus enough for your life? Does Jesus bring the satisfaction and the joy in your life that he promises to do in your life? Or is it kind of like hit and miss? Or is it once in a great while? Or is it, well, there was a few times A few years back, I can remember there were some great times, but now my life, as it's going right now, I can't really say that Jesus is bringing satisfaction in my life. If Jesus promises us that there is to be a well of living water that is to be gushing up, why is that not true in our life? What has happened You see, a satisfied life in Christ does not need what the world has to be satisfied. Questions that the world asks, pursuits that the world offers, dreams that the world paints, life that the world portrays, none of it satisfies. But notice what the Samaritan woman requests from Christ. Give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Christ had helped her to see her need, that she needed living water. There's no doubt about that. He presented that living water to her, and she says, you know what? Give me this living water so I won't be thirsty again, or so I don't have to come to this well every single day, put my water jar in there, and draw it up every single day. Give me this living water. But Christ is trying to get her to see past just being thirsty or relying upon physical needs. He is trying to bring her to see that she needs to be satisfied in Christ. And that is so key. How does Christ bring us to the point where we are only satisfied in him? How does that work? I mean, you think about your life. You think about the, the, the struggles and the, the, the things that you go through life, hardships. And if Jesus promises us water that is welling up, why are we not satisfied in him? Christ is trying to help us to be satisfied in him. And how does he do that? He wants us to be transparent with him. 
And that's exactly what he does with this woman. Because when she says, Lord, give me this water so I'll never be thirsty again. Or Lord, make it so I don't have to ever come to this well ever again. Jesus says, I'm not going to just give you something here to provide for your needs. He says, I want you to be satisfied in me, satisfied in that living water that is welling up. And this is the question that he says to her. This is the statement that he says. He says, go call your husband. Tell him to come here. What does she say? Look what she says. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. You have to ask yourself, five husbands? Five husbands? And the one that she's living with right now is not her husband. You have to ask, what is going on in this lady's life? Could have been the result of tragedy in her life? Possibly. Could it be the fact of, of things that didn't work out between other spouses? Possibly. Jesus really doesn't tell us what has happened, but he knows that this lady has had five husbands, and the man that she's living with right now is not her husband. Jesus wants her to be transparent with her, because he doesn't really, he's not trying to provide for her need of not going to the well or not being thirsty again. He's trying to get her to be satisfied in Christ. You see, we were designed for more than the trivial pursuit of pleasure in our life. The hard truth is that we will never find relief if we continue to seek it through possessions or even through people dissatisfaction in life is the result of lots of sins in our own life. Why do people cheat on their spouse, abuse drugs and alcohol? Why do we mindlessly binge watch ridiculous amounts of television and TV? Why do we endlessly scroll through Facebook or other social media? Why? Because we are dissatisfied in life. Why do we commit, why do people steal or even commit suicide in life? Because they are dissatisfied. You see, all of these things and more happen because people haven't found true happiness. You see, at the root of our dissatisfaction is this never-ending thirst that nothing in this world can ever satisfy. We've been duped into thinking that a better job, more money, cooler friends, another spouse, a new life is really what we need. But that's not what we need. Jesus is trying to get her to see that. She's saying, give me this water so I never thirst or make it possible so I don't ever have to come to this well ever again. And Jesus is saying, I'm trying to get you to see that you need to be satisfied in me, only me, not in these other things. If we are to be satisfied in Jesus, we need to start being transparent with the Lord. And you know where that starts? That starts with me coming to the Lord and saying, Lord, I am unhappy because I have been pursuing after other things for satisfaction instead of you.
You see, what we try to do is we try to balance this out, and I think, in our life. We say, all right, here's my Christian life, and over here is my private life. Everything over here in my private life, I'm going to pursue after, whether it be you fill in the blank. I'm going to pursue after that. And then what we do is we say, okay, Jesus, today I want to be satisfied in you. And then we come back over here. We say, okay, I got my satisfaction from Jesus that day. And then we come back over here. And this is this never endless pursuit. Do you see what this woman was doing? Here she is. She's living at home. She gets her water jar. I don't know how long she walks, but what does she do? She goes over to the well, puts it in there, lowers it down, brings it back up. Oh man, this heavy, 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 heavy. Picks it up, takes it back. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. What was she asking for? She's saying, Lord, make it possible so I'm never thirsty again. Lord, make it possible so I don't ever have to come back over here again. And Jesus saying, you're missing the point. You just need to be satisfied in me. Just be satisfied in me. Why are we so unsatisfied in Jesus? God's word is filled with promises about being satisfied in Jesus. Listen to a few of these things. John 6, 35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Psalm 107, verse nine. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Psalm 22, verse 26. The afflicted soul shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. Psalm 16, verse number 11, in your presence there is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So if God promises us satisfaction in our life, why are you, me, us, everyone, why are we so dissatisfied in our Christian life? It's because we do not understand the spiritual growth that takes place in Christ. You say, what do you mean? Meaning that spiritual growth in our life is more than just reading our Bible and prayer. Spiritual growth is more than just attending a worship service. Spiritual growth is more than just being moral or a good Christian. Our satisfaction in Jesus comes from our sanctification that happens through the power of the Holy Spirit. You say, what do you mean by that? Let's turn over to the book of Romans, Romans chapter number six. Romans six, verses 17 through 19 talks about this. And Paul says this, he says, but thanks be to God in verse 17, but thanks be to God, Romans six seventeen. but thanks be to God, mark it, that you who were once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations, for just as you were once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, 
leading to more lawlessness. So now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. You see, when we are transparent with the Lord, the Lord begins to work on our heart and he points out things clearly in our lives that we are not satisfied with Christ with. We're not satisfied in our relationship with Christ with. We're continuous still going back over to our private life. And the Lord says, I want you to be transparent about this in your life. And he reveals that and he shows it to us. And what do we have to do? Look what the scripture says here in verse 17. It says, you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. So see, the Lord is trying to show us that our sanctification process is that the Lord teaches us, he shows us what we as believers in Christ now need to do. What does this sanctification process look like? Well, in my own home, after I got married, I was the most greatest loving husband that you've ever met in your entire life. It's not true. <laughs> Sanctification process in my own life, like for example, after I got married, um, was when I sat down with my wife to uh, eat a meal. She had cooked it and spent a lot of time on it trying to please me and things like that. And as I'm eating it, I go, hmm. This is pretty good, but you know, you should maybe call up my mom and ask her how to do this. <laughs> Ouch, right? And then the Lord has to teach me and say, you need to start dwelling with your wife with knowledge. Learn her, not your mother. And the Lord teaches me, allows me to grow through that. Sanctification process in your life may be the fact that you might be struggling with something uh, in your own private life and you become dissatisfied in it. You've been pursuing after it and the Lord teaches you from the heart and says, you need to be transparent with me on this. And we say, yes, I do need to be transparent and we obey the Lord from the heart and we yield ourselves to Christ and he teaches us and we become satisfied in him. It's a sanctification process that takes place in all of our lives. We have to become sanctified. We need to become satisfied in Jesus. Why are so many Christians thirsty? Because they are not growing in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We've been duped into thinking that our growth is just church, that growth is just doing religious things. But the growth process that takes place is us being obedient to the Lord from the heart and being transparent with him. And we become satisfied in Jesus. It's a well of life that is welling up. It's gushing over into our life. So are you thirsty in your life? Are you satisfied in Jesus?
want to show you a third thing about this. Worship is the result of a satisfied life. Look at John chapter 4, verse 20 through 26. It says, Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ, when he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Worship is the result of a sanctified life, a satisfied life. You see, as we yield to Jesus... When we are transparent with him and we allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in our life and we yield those, those hidden things, those secret things, those private things of our life, we yield those to the Lord. He allows that living water to become a spring welling over. We then learn how to worship God. You see, we've looked at this passage before as we consider what worship is, that it must be spiritual, it must be truthful. And as we grow in our sanctification, it is a spiritual process in which the Spirit of God is working in our heart to make us more like Christ. That is the whole purpose of it. And so it is a truthful process as he uses the Word of God to change and transform us. And our response out of that worship is, as we are satisfied Jesus, as we are satisfied in Jesus, we learn how to worship Him in spirit, because He's doing a sanctification work in our heart of truth. Unsatisfied lives and lives that are not yielding to Jesus Christ have a difficult time worshiping. Why? because they are still pursuing after other things in their life. They're still going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. They're not satisfied in Jesus and Jesus alone. You see, our worship reveals to the world that we are satisfied in Jesus. Our passions and our possessions is not in the things that this world has, but in the personal work of Jesus Christ in our own lives. Jesus intrigues this woman by telling her of a fountain of living water gushing up where that water will, will give her satisfaction in her life. Yet this Samaritan woman constantly thinks of her daily struggle of going from one place to the other, not being satisfied, having to drop her bucket, put it in there, drop the water, and she says, give me this water so I'll never thirst again. Or make it possible so I never have to go to this well again. Now, could Jesus have made that possible? Absolutely. But he didn't. Why? Because he wanted her to be satisfied just in Christ and Christ alone. You see, she begs for this water. She asks, I don't want to have to go back and forth, back and forth. 
Jesus does not comply with her request. What does he do for her instead? Well, he makes it possible by giving her living water to become satisfied. Now, is she still going to have to go from her home to the well every single day and bear the burden? Absolutely. But what has changed? She is satisfied in Jesus. We as believers in Christ, we, we encounter so many things that come into our lives, hardships and difficulties in life, and we, we ask the Lord to change the situation. But we do not ask the Lord to be satisfied in him in the situation. There is a great difference between that. Because we can still bear the burden of our situation and be satisfied in the Lord. And that's what the Lord wants to do. He wants it to be welling up, overflowing, gushing out of satisfaction in Jesus. And I believe that this woman, even as she was still bearing her burden, going from her house to the well, drawing water every single day, there was a difference now because she could worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, because notice her, her thing. She says, you, she says, our fathers here worshiped in this mountain, but you say in Jerusalem we're supposed to worship. And Jesus says the hour is coming, as now it's here. It's neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem where you to worship. She says, they that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. And it didn't matter where she was. It didn't matter what the circumstances were in her life. She could still worship the Lord. She could still have satisfaction in Jesus. Why? Because she wasn't pursuing after other things. Because she was transparent with the Lord. It's just, Lord, I want this living water. Lord, I want to be satisfied in you. So are you satisfied in the Lord? Am I satisfied in the Lord? Are we running back and forth, not being happy, not being satisfied in the Lord? The Lord promised us that he would give us a well of living water that is welling up, gushing out. I think of like Niagara Falls. I'm giving to Niagara Falls. You could stand there on, those, on the edge there for, I don't know, 30 minutes, an hour, and just watch that water just... The Lord says, I am willing to do that in your life, but you have to be satisfied in Jesus, being transparent with him, allowing the Holy Spirit to do a sanctification process in your life, pointing things out in your life, becoming obedient to the word of God, submitting yourself under the authority of the word of God and being changed and transformed. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this time that we got to look into your word. And I pray that all of us here would... Be people that are satisfied in you. Lord, that's all that we have is you. You, are, you need to be our satisfaction. You need to be our joy. Just as we sang here this morning, that you are our king, that you are, you are our vision. You are the one that we, that we long for in our life. God, please make that a reality that we would just be satisfied in you and you alone and not have to run to the world for everything else. Uh, to find satisfaction when you completely satisfy us. Thank you for just your 
unending love and your unending mercy in our lives. And thank you just for being so patient with us um, that we as children just do so many foolish things and unwise things. But God, you are patient with us, and we thank you for your patience. Help us to grow in Christ. Help us to be transformed. I pray that all of us would be transparent with you, that we wouldn't be hiding our, our, our lives from you. Thank you for just your, your love for us. And we ask all this in your name. Amen.